Hello, everybody. Welcome to Boss Ranch Podcast. This is our second episode of Band. I am Dan Murphy, your host, and today I am here with our two co-hosts, Celeste Roberts. Hey, everybody. And David Lasby. Happy Monday. And today we're going to be talking about banned and challenged video games. Last time we did uh, banned books, and we had some great discussions there, and we figured we'd keep the ball rolling with everything um, with the banned topic and go into video games, something that all of us love. Um, So it was very interesting reading up everything and learning about it, and we're going to get started with this. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing fine. Um, I took off this week. It is Thanksgiving week. I don't know when this episode is going to release, but it's going to be way in the future. But I took off for this whole week. Awesome. How about you, David? I'm doing well. I'm I'm excited that it's a holiday week. I, I really need a few days off, and I'm looking forward to playing some video games. Speaking of video games, so <laughs> I think Age of Calamity is on your radar. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> What about Calamity, not challenged or banned. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Might be a few angry uh, hardcore fans that might want to ban it. But <laughs> some canon issues, but cool. What um, about you, Dan? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I gotta work a little bit at the beginning of the week, but we are doing a low-key Thanksgiving, so I'm very excited about that. I'm gonna watch my horrible football team play at noon at on Thanksgiving <laughs> and then have some dinner. Stop awesome. being a Lions fan, huh? You think you get used to it and you don't. <laughs> As a Mariners fan, I, I can appreciate that. So. <laughs> don't worry. The Saints used to be called the Aints for quite a long time. <laughs> That's true. Cool. So anyway, let's jump right off into it. Um, so we're going to start with one of the biggest uh, challenges into banning some video games where we go back looking at uh, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Um, Mortal Kombat had come out and it was it was a game that actually it was a game that actually used um, the images of people and you would fight one on one. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know what Mortal Kombat is. Um, and on Sega Genesis, you know, it was very bloody. It was very, very violent. Um, Nintendo actually even used green blood. Now, video games are still kind of new. Parents couldn't really decipher what a video game was just by looking at the cover of it. Um, maybe the name Mortal Kombat gives it away, but some other things uh, like Night Trap, which we'll get into, um, really started making a lot of headlines with how violent it was and how kids were responding to it and how more so parents were responding to their kids um, playing these games. Do you guys have memories of these games or uh, have any parents yelling at you about it? My dad and I played Mortal Kombat together. We played Street Fighter together. We played Killer Instinct together. I have very fond memories of <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> the uh, fighting games were definitely on the household band list. Um, I was not allowed anywhere near those. But I, I remember following the controversy. And, um, you know, I, I think for, it took me a long time to get back into fighting games as a result of not being able to play those as a kid. But I, I also remember distinctly thinking, 
that it was a ridiculous notion, even as a kid, that, you know, somehow this was going to have all these negative consequences. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember I wasn't allowed to have Mortal Kombat either. I think I was, you know, eight years old playing Sega Genesis and had to play it at my cousin's house because, (laughs) you know, once it made headlines, it was kind of one of those knee-jerk reactions by all parents that we couldn't play this game or anything. Um, and I guess a lot of the talk came into, you know, is this making kids more violent? Um, so these, so Mortal Kombat and have you guys heard of Night Trap? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Night Trap, it was apparently this movie. <laughs> it looks like a very B-movie. Um, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> have, have you seen it or played Night Trap? Yeah, the, um, the high score uh, documentary on Netflix shows a lot of clips of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. man, it just... Oh, I, I, it's, it's amazing to look back with, you know, 20... No pun intended. Twenty twenty eyes here, and <laughs> it's just like it, it looks cheesy. I mean, it's just I, how anybody could get that angry over it. You know, it, it's, it's funny by modern standards, I guess. Yeah, for oh, sure. I, I love what they're wearing in this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Nintendo actually released a um, tribute to it, like last year or something like that. I heard that. I, I'm almost like I'm almost tempted to go buy it the, the game <laughs> because I want to see like firsthand. You know, maybe on Switch it'll be fun. I don't know. You, I, you might not even last ten minutes on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, Night Trap was a somewhat violent slash sexual kind of B movie where in the game you actually changed cameras to see what was going on. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so this didn't take very well to um, (laughs) most adults and, um, you know, senators, well, specifically um, this hearing led by Joe Lieberman. Um, This, so this trial came about where they wanted video game companies to stop depicting, you know, real violence and really anything violent or sexual in these video games um, or Congress would take action towards these companies. Um, And this actually resulted in the rating system that we see in video games now. So when parents can go out, they will see um, a rating on there and can kind of base their purchase on it. The way, you know, the same way music had ratings and TV had ratings as well. Um, So, in my opinion, I think overall it was actually a good thing um, that the games weren't banned or anything like that. And I think the uh, rating system does work out well. I mean, yeah, I would I would agree that that was kind of a, a happy um, bonus that we got out of an otherwise very bizarre and sort of dark chapter in our entertainment history. Because, uh, you know, as a parent, I, it, I have two kids. I, I, my son is, um, you know, 14 and my daughter's eight. And, you know, so it, it's nice when they want to play a new game that I can just get a rough sense of it. I mean, I, you know, just it's just like, you know, movies. It's nice to know what a film is rated. Uh, it's nice to know what a video game rated, you know. So I, I think that was that was definitely a benefit that that I appreciate. Yeah, I have no problem with it. The rating system. I, I like that. They realized this would go against First Amendment rights to outright 
fan. Right. <laughs> this type of media. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I know we're going to go more into it, but I, I do have some, some thoughts uh, about the era that that, you know, occurred to. Is this an okay time to, to go into that? Yeah, go for it. Perfect time. Uh, I just, you know, we, it, it, this very much gets divorced from this when we talk about it now, but I don't think you can talk about the sort of trial that video games were put on um, with this congressional investigation without rec- recognizing or remembering that it happened during the tough on crime era. And mm. there absolutely was this period of fear-mongering in our country about violent crime and this sense that it was this huge danger to society when, when in reality, while violent crime was up, it was very much a, a political, you know, football that both parties, you know, played around with. Um, and so when the public already had such fear about violent crime to then see their children engaging in violent video games, I think we were just primed as a society to have this knee-jerk reaction like, oh my goodness, we've identified the source, the reason why, you know, crime is perpetuating, uh, when in reality it was, you know, fear of something new and this sort of easy, low-hanging fruit to, to pick. There always right. has to be a scapegoat. Always. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, at that time, was were there, like, movies that were being pressed or TV shows that were being pressed this way as well? South Park a little bit later, huh? Yeah. Yeah, probably, like, what, 15 years later, I think, for, for South Park? I'm trying South to Park was 96, 97. Yeah, it was, it was in the late 90s. Okay, I, yeah, remember, yeah. I remember <laughs> my little Catholic elementary school saying that our parents should not let us watch South Park. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in high school, I'd forgotten it started that early. Oh yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's what else? What other movies were coming out? I mean, there were slasher films in the '90s, yeah. like Scream, and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Right. But there were, I mean, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in the '70s. Yeah, there was a whole decade or two of slasher movies becoming an American feature of film, right? Uh, but, you know, probably I, I, you know, while I disagree with their position, what they would probably say is, yeah, but those aren't targeted to children. Right. Like that would be their position, I think, right. to justify the fear, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into whether that fear was justified, I suppose, later when, when we talk about things. But I think that's where they'd be coming from. Yeah. And you kind of wonder, too, if like how the video game industry would have turned out if there was sort of this outright ban on violence as well. Um, I mean, me personally, I don't really go for like too violent a games. Like I'm, I'm playing age of calamity right now where you're slashing hordes, but you know, it's not as, um, you know, it's not as gruesome or bloody as some games that are out there. And I like, I personally don't play first person shooters. I just, I, I don't enjoy them. Um, so yeah, it, but with the with how popular some of these games like Call of Duty were or any other fighting games, I, it's kind of interesting to think where the video game industry would have led. I don't think we would have had first-person shooters today. Because, uh, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the evolution of first-person shooters and, you know, sort of that three-dimensional gameplay started with uh, Duke Nukem and Doom, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Those, in, in many ways, featured the sort of gory violence that became popularized as a result of this investigation, right? That that, that right. drove up sales and then allowed for those games to capitalize. And so I got to imagine if that got shut down early, 
the entire future of video games probably would have changed as a result of that censorship. And, you know, as somebody that I love first person shooters and, you know, while I can only speak for myself, I imagine it's true for a lot of people that what I enjoy most about it is the strategy. Like, like it's real, not a real time strategy game in the sense of that genre, but it's a, like in real time, I'm having to adapt to other human beings in sort of this competition of strategy. And yes, the shooting is part of it that is like a physical skill, but really it's about the planning and the thinking and the outsmarting. And so it's never about the violence, right? And, you know, so I think it would be a real shame if, if we had lost that feature of what's been one of the most popular ways to play games. Right. And it must bring about so much camaraderie too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think through the years, I mean, uh, you know, looking into this episode, there's so many articles upon articles upon articles of people trying to link school shootings, mass murders to these gun video games, um, which, you know, I don't I don't agree with that at all. I think people are just trying to look for a scapegoat there. Um, yeah. I mean, look how many other countries have these same video games. Yes, in certain countries like China, they probably don't have access to the same things that we do over here. But a lot of other countries have these same games. And unless I'm missing out on the news, we don't hear about the same types of shootings in those countries. So it's not the games. Yeah, what, it, you're right about that. What year was Columbine? Uh, the Columbine? I think 99. And this investigation, this congressional investigation was 92, 93? It was 93. Okay. So a few years before that, but, you know, so with the Columbine effect, then that became sort of exponentially focused on as like these violent video games that kids are playing then, right? And, you know, to Celeste's point, it is really sort of an American phenomenon um, to, to view things that way, right? Yeah, and I think at that Columbine time, too, there was, we just started having 3D graphics. So even though we look back at PlayStation 1 graphics and we're like, that looks so stupid. <laughs> like, you know, it, like video games were becoming more realistic uh, with their graphics and, you know, like being able to turn corners. I mean, Metal Gear Solid was a game that came out in 98 or 99. Um, and the graphics in that were just kind of mind-blowing to people. So I think the realism of these new games coming out also helped to people like tying violent acts towards video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a school shooting way before Columbine. There's an article I'm looking up right now that says 16 school shootings that took place before Columbine. And video games weren't around for most of these, so... What influenced these people? It wasn't Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point that you bring up, Celeste. And obviously, school shootings have become an increasingly big problem and, and something that society hasn't figured out. I mean, it's something that's important to me as a, as a high school teacher. I, I think about all the time when we have active shooter drills and I, I have all these instructions that I'm sm- somehow supposed to miraculously, you know, do to, to rest. You know, it's absurd. Um, but, you know, that's that's life in, in the United States now. But, you know, without getting too political, I, you, look, I grew up with guns. I, I went shooting, you know, all growing up. My, my stepdad taught me how to shoot. So I, I'm not anti-gun by any means. Um, but I do I do think, you know, when it came to the option of any kind of gun reform at all um, or blaming video games 
there was a really easy choice there, right? And, and I think um, you had mentioned that there's always a scapegoat's loss. And I, and I think, you know, whether or not guns are the actual problem is a separate conversation, but it was like, we don't even have to have that conversation if we just look at video games, this thing that a whole generation of adults hadn't played, but their kids had, right? So there's no no prior experience to know, hey, I played these and I grew up just fine. Right. So that became the, the outlet to explain something that's otherwise pretty hard to explain. You know, why do we have all these shootings here in the United States? You, you make me think of other things, too, there, David. It's in addition to the question about guns and gun violence. What about these other factors that people aren't bringing up? What are people's home lives like? What about mental health issues that maybe some of these people have? It's not just. The video games, uh, uh, millions, billions of people play video games. Mm-hmm. And right, and I think go. it just goes to show how out of touch people can be not playing a video game and thinking that if I play Call of Duty, I'm going to go buy a gun and do something. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you're making me laugh because I'm picturing like just these people who think they're so badass playing Call of Duty and wanting to go sign up for the armed service, <laughs> armed forces <laughs> and thinking they're going to... They rule their battalion and then they get screamed at by some right. sergeant. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it doesn't translate into anything aside from shootings when it comes to this, though. You know, it's not like you see a headline in the paper of a kid stealing a wild horse and they blame it on Breath of the Wild, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's always oh just this gosh. kind of one thing. Um, so and chefs from cooking mama right yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know like that's just the one scapegoat that they seem to always come up with and i don't know why and so many people play grand theft auto but the people i know who play grand theft auto have never attempted to steal a car <laughs> to my <laughs> knowledge <laughs> yeah gosh man we could it is go on to you. oh i'm sorry Celeste. oh um, it is interesting, too, that there was never the preoccupation, a- again, with sort of sexual content in video games, that we've given all of this attention to the violence. Um, like, I'm curious, it's interesting to think about why hasn't that continued to be a censorship issue, or has it? Maybe I'm just not aware um, in, in the same way, you know, because it, initially the congressional hearing was concerned both about the sexuality and the violence in Night Trap, right? And right. yet one has sort of perpetuated as this problem. Maybe it's just changing cultural attitudes. I don't know. Huh. Yeah. I well, mean, that's, that's America, right? Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. And like, I think one of the more recent, like, so Mortal Kombat is probably the biggest uproar of games, but I think GTA 3 was also another one that really um, got challenged a lot. I, I think there was petitions out there to get that game banned and taken off shelves because there was kind of sexual content where you could go and pick up prostitutes in that game and actually just kill them and throw them in a river or something. But, um, you know, with that game, that was like... I actually remember I owned that game when I was a kid um, and my mom just came home furious and had me, she made me give her the game. And I was like, 
how did she hear about this? <laughs> like, what is going on here? And it was just all over the news and everything. And I think, um, I, I think that was kind of the night trap effect where it was like the sexuality that was involved with it on top of the violence and stealing the cars and everything else you could do. But think about how we as a society treat sex. That brings up a great point. It's, it, we have issues with sexual content in media but violence is prevalent can run rampant mm -hmm. i guess it's yeah. what you've been used to seeing for so long too you know what i mean i feel like sex is far more censored than any sort of violence right i feel that way i mean we all know that pornography exists and there are strip clubs but i don't i feel like they're kind of a less discussed arena i don't know yeah well, i mean oh, go ahead well i just it's interesting because i i think there actually is the stronger argument to be made to be concerned about children being exposed to sexual content as actually damaging as opposed to sort of violence in video games which is like literally meaningless to kids playing like you know like you mentioned uh with age of calamity my daughter is eight and playing that and like it doesn't even cross her mind that it's violence as she's like <laughs> smashing through you know because it's just not that's not the point of the game but sexual content you know there's all sorts of research that shows that that is actually harmful to expose to kids at a young age and how video games are marketed or, or parents should be aware so in, in a lot of ways like you can make the argument that that is what we should have been focusing on protecting kids from being exposed too young to. And yet, you know, our attention always goes to school shooting video games. I mean, I think, uh, Dan, you have some stuff that we're going to get into later where some recent school shootings, like the, the first thing that the president did was bring up violent video games again. You know, so I, I don't know. I just that that's what I kind of get stuck on a little bit is how we use our energy to, to censor in some ways, but not in others. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of anything where um, there's been a video game, except maybe the Dead or Alive games that are like so over-sexualized that oh, they... Leisure Suit Larry, isn't that a big one? I've never heard of it. I've heard of that one. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, for it's for computers, and I think it's about this male gigolo type character. Please forgive me if I'm wrong. I've never played it. It's what is what is that rating with the ESRB? It's adult adults yeah. only, and AI, yeah. there are so few games with that rating, and it's usually due to sexual content. Gosh, I don't, let's let's get into this, Dan. We we gotta, <laughs> we have some <laughs> ground to cover, man. Yeah. So, um, David, did you want to go into that um, topic about the school shootings with the the president over there? Yeah, well, do you do you have the um, quote from from the president? I think he met with the group of folks after a shooting in 2018, and I just don't have it up in front of I, me. I have it. Yeah, um, it's from an article from USA Today by Mike Schneider, published August 5th, 2019. President Donald Trump, who last year held a video game summit after the February 2018 Parkland, Florida shooting that killed 17 people at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, was among several public officials who called out video games as a potential factor in shootings, mentioning video games and violence. President Donald Trump on Monday condemned white nationalism and said he supported, quote unquote, red flag laws, which could limit a person's access to firearms if the person is determined to be a potential threat to the public. 
He also decried the glorification of violence in our society. This includes the gruesome and grisly video games that are now commonplace. Yeah, so I just, you know, obviously it wasn't that long ago, but I remember that so well because it hit me on a number of levels. I, you know, as a school teacher, being concerned about mass shootings and, you know, we went through all sorts of just insane trainings. I mean, we had two former, you know, military members come into our assembly and then to each classroom uh, with the optional training for teachers to learn how to disarm someone with a gun and like you know oh my god and we had these like three-step plans where kids could choose to like engage in essentially combat to like stop shooters if they and it's just you know it was like these extreme lengths right to you know address something when there are so many other ways to address it as well yeah clearly nothing ever happened with those red flag laws (laughs) like there are no no changes ever made with guns but then i remember that the conversation shifted so strongly to blaming video games. And I remember that also hit me really hard as someone who loves video games. And, um, you know, I had all these extended family members posting on Facebook, like, did you know that, you know, kids these days play these games? And it was just like, it, it just, it made me feel like, wow, we're, we're really missing this. And, you know, I even, you know, at my job, I, I love my colleagues, but I, I, I'm the only one that plays video game in my video games in my large, you know, department. Um, and I remember a couple people had made comments about video games, and I was just like, "Are you kidding me? Like, are we really having this conversation?" And so uh, I, I then went looked up, you know, the American Psychological Association's research on video games, just to, to like bring back to them, like, you guys are, you know, evidence believing people, like, let's look at what the evidence actually says. But it's amazing how much, you know, sort of truth be darned, it just spread like wildfire across, you know, places like Facebook, where it's, you know, it's the video games. Right. It's a knee jerk reaction. I mean, um, <laughs> hysteria breeds hysteria, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever someone starts off with kids these days, I see red. (laughs) (laughs) So you do have the uh, study with you, right, David? Yeah. Is it okay if I go ahead and and read that? Yeah. Uh, Excerpt. Yeah. So um, the background on this is that in 2015, the American Psychological Association did a longitudinal study. So I I think it was uh, over a period of eight years. Um, They studied the effects of violence and video games and they were unable to find any connection at all. They wouldn't go to the point of saying there isn't a connection. They would just say there's no evidence for one. Um, and then with everything that happened uh, recently, um, with the, the shootings over the last few years and the conversations about video games coming up again, the, uh, the APA went back in March and once again reviewed that 2015 study and found similar results. So... It says there is, uh, and this is this is a story from, um, no, actually, this is straight from the APA. There is sufficient scientific, insufficient, excuse me, scientific evidence to support a causal link between violent video games and violent behavior, according to an updated resolution adopted by the American Psychological Association. The APA's governing council of representatives seated a task force to review its August 2015 resolution in light of many occasions in which the members of the media or policymakers have cited that resolution as evidence that video games are the cause of violent behavior, including mass shootings. Quote, 
violence is a complex social problem that likely stems from many factors that warrant attention from researchers, policymakers, and the public, said APA President Sandra Schulman. Attributing violence to video gaming is not scientifically sound and draws attention away from other factors such as a history of violence, which we know from research is a major predictor of future violence. And I love this part. What they did find was a small, reliable association between violent video game use and aggressive outcomes, get this, such as yelling. <laughs> oh, we're all familiar with the yelling. <laughs> That just cracked me up. It's like, well, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, but yeah, then they went on to just say that, you know, the link between yelling and going out and doing a school shooting is zilch. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. Um, I, I have a study, too, David, um, from a 2008 study by Pullman, DeCastro, and Van Eiken. They agreed on a conc one conclusion. A question that remains unanswered is which children become more aggressive after playing a violent video game. Future studies should investigate more child and environmental characteristics that could moderate the effect of violent video game play on aggression. So it echoes what you're just saying. They need to look at a child's background. They need to look at the home life. They need to look at their guidance to see what is causing those issues. Right. Just an old saying, right? Correlation doesn't equal causation. I feel like that's relevant here. So just to put you on the spot a little bit, David, since you're the only one with kids out of the three of us, um, where where do you draw the line with your kids? How, how old are you? You said your daughter's eight? eight? Eight and my son's 14. So where do you draw the line with them or what do you think's appropriate or not appropriate? You know... I think it really just comes down to what is traumatic for them, right? You know, if if there's, you know, there's stuff that's not graphic in any way, but the content is just dark and, you know, bothers my kids, then I'll say, you know, maybe that's just not the game for you to play right now, but only because of the effect that it's having on them, you know, bothering them or giving their nightmares or whatever. But, you know, in terms of like graphic stuff that they tend to really not care about that uh, a whole lot. Um, and certainly... You know, my daughter plays Fortnite with us just as much as my my son does and uh, loves it, you know, and and she's not even remotely violent or aggressive, you know. So, I, you know, I think it helps for me that I grew up playing video games. So I think I have a comfortability with it and letting my kids play it in a way that the previous generation and a lot of these lawmakers did not. Gotcha. Yeah. Um and it's interesting, too, now that we've grown up with it and we're definitely in a different era of video games. And um, you kind of wonder, too. So do you do you guys think video games kind of push the limits now with the, you know, obviously we talked about how there's a lot of violence and sexuality. Um, and do you think there is a line to actually draw with video games or do you think everybody should be able to publish whatever they want and you have the free will to play it or not. Oh, it, it is where, but who, who watches the watchman who is going to be the one to play arbiter with that? Because what I find completely non-offensive, someone else could be highly offended by it. Mm -hmm. If I don't want to watch a movie or I don't want to play a game, I know my sensitive topics I avoid it that and if someone else is fine with it I don't care I go about my day I 
people are going to create, people are going to be curious. They're going to find a way to access this media. Put a rating on it. Do do you think that there's any games now that kind of push the limits with um, where they could get censored? There is a Columbine shooting simulator, actually. Is it really? And... I think it's in poor taste, but there will be people who are who are curious. I won't play it, but it exists. Someone <laughs> made it. Someone people have played it. People are going to be interested in it. There are people out there doing who are interested in horrible, horrible things. It's not to say they're going to go commit these same crimes. I think they, some people are probably just curious. Kind of like. What were the what was the big topic? The beheadings in the Middle East in the early two thousands mm-hmm. or early aughts. I remember people. I never looked them up because I knew I personally did not want to see them. But I know of people who did were, were morbidly curious. They wanted to see these journalists getting beheaded. I think there's just a morbid curiosity in humanity, and some people can tolerate it better than others. Mm-hmm. But as far as laws. <sighs> I don't know. Who do I want making these laws? (laughs) (laughs) I I feel pretty strongly about this issue. I I think I've said, I don't know if it was on here or one of our other Boss Rush podcasts, but I I feel very strongly that video games are an art form and high art at that um, with certain video games. And the more realistic games become, the more technology advances the more important it is that censorship stays out of video games and art forms. Um, You know, I think uh, a rating system is great. You know, we want to empower consumers to um, be able to make wise choices. I would even go a step farther. I actually think including trigger warnings is really helpful um, as things become more realistic. You know, any, any good art or, you know, story that's, built in an, in a, an environment that's aware should come with with trigger warnings so that people can have a positive experience with it but we shouldn't put limitations on how people create and explore i agree with you I, i'm i'm with you put it put a rating on it and let people be smart enough mature enough to make the decision whether or not they want to partake in this yeah I, i'm in the boat the same boat as you guys. I just, I I don't think there really should be any sort of censorship when it comes to it. Like you said, David, trigger warnings would be something that would be great. Um, I think, I think everybody should have the option to be able to do what they want and expose themselves to what they want. And they shouldn't be told that they can't. It, it allows you to create your own thoughts. It allows you to create your own terms of thinking of what's right and what's wrong, you know? Um, I mean, hearing about a Columbine shooting (laughs) simulator is one of the most awful things I've heard of. Um, But I would just hope that people aren't playing that. You know what I mean? And what would, what would fighting that actually do? It would, we already have seen that, right? With Nightcap, all it would do is, give it way more exposure than it was ever going to get before. And then people are going to go check it out because they're curious about what all the fuss is. Uh, You know, unless someone is actively being harmed, if something is just in poor taste, as Celeste said, uh, the very best thing we can do is simply ignore it, I I think, because you're not giving it the attention that's going to explode it in popularity. 
Right. And I think most people are looking just for that attention when they do play these games or come up with this kind of thing. You know what I mean? I'm so badass. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, But as far as like anything current out there, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm desensitized to everything with video games, but I haven't really seen anything that pushes a line personally where I've played a game and I'm like, oh, that's just too much. Um, You know, I think, I think the last of us was one of the, few times where a story just had me like shocked but that's not something i'd ever think about banning or censoring you know well dan that's oh go ahead ahead. no go ahead david (laughs) i was just gonna say that that's you know an interesting example too because the three you know major console companies with you know sony microsoft and nintendo are in a way the gatekeepers the way publishing houses used to be gatekeepers for what got published in literature Mm -hmm. right so you have a sort of natural mechanism for moderating stuff because they want their businesses to be successful now. Um, so, you know, if something is independently produced, like the Columbine shooter, which is, of course, an extreme example, how big of an audience is that really going to reach outside of the big three? Right, right. Uh, I was going to echo what David, David gave a great, succinct example. Parents, parent your kids. It's not society's job to censor things, prevent them from seeing things. If I create something that you find offensive, that's your problem. (laughs) Don't (laughs) let your kids play it. Don't let them read it until you feel like they're at an appropriate age. Take ownership. Right. All right. Well, I think we've covered basically banning and challenging when it comes to outrage and pointing fingers and trying to blame somebody for somebody else's actions. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a different kind of banning and a different kind of censorship when it comes to gaming and their companies. Welcome back, everybody. So we talked a lot about politics and gaming and challenges from people that don't really know video games but we're going to take the complete opposite direction and do challenges and banning in video games from developers themselves um so to start this topic off a big story came out just recently with a uh i guess you would call these guys organizers um they're called the big house and the big house was putting together uh they've been doing yearly smash tournaments with ultimate and um melee now melee is the melee that they use is a modded version called slippy and they were supposed to broadcast this as an online event and according to the story nintendo had asked them not to use slippy because it was a mod and not the legal copy of smash brothers melee Now, the big house resisted, and they kept using Slippy for their tournaments, and eventually Nintendo ended up sending a cease and desist. Now, this has kind of been a pretty popular subject on the internet for the last two days. Um, This is a Monday before Thanksgiving. I don't know when this will be released, but... A lot of people have, it's been very polarizing because some people agree with Nintendo's legal standpoint and more people are on the side saying that Melee just hasn't been released and there's no way for players to play it. Um, So I guess this kind of comes up with, is Nintendo in the right for doing this or um, should, you know, since it's a 
almost a 20 year old game should modding be allowed and players be allowed to play it um what do you guys think gosh i don't feel like i know enough about the legal system in this aspect to give give a good answer it's i don't even know what slippy is (laughs) i don't know dan it's uh I mean, me personally, I think, um, you know, Smash Brothers Ultimate is out there. Just just play that. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I think Nintendo let it happen for a little bit. Uh, they do have every right to not want their products modded or for them to be, you know, using any kind of illegal part of their gaming i at the end of the day it always comes down to money these people are using this because it's free and they're not spending money on nintendo nintendo does have a right to go out and send them a cease and desist um at at the same time too if nintendo asked before sending a cease and desist to stop you should know it's coming right absolutely nintendo doesn't mess around no um so I mean I, I I I don't have a strong opinion on this either way. I'm I'm a person that doesn't really get into ROMs or hacking or anything like that, um, or any sort of mods to video games because um, pretty much I'm just not tech savvy. Um, <laughs> but you know, so like I I under I guess I'm one of the people that understand both sides on this. Now, are they making money from this tournament? That's a good question. I'll look into that. Um, what do you think, Dave, about uh, this situation? While you're looking that up, yeah, you know, there's an equivalent I can think of with books. Um, you know, and I, I don't know enough about the law if this is true for video games, but with books or even uh, pharmaceuticals, after a certain number of years, it becomes legal to have a generic or, it, you know, the book essentially becomes public domain. Um, so for example, with students in my class, if I can't you know, get them a, a book copy for you know, what we're reading in class, but it's an old book, a lot of times I can find some that are considered public domain online and they can read it for free and legally, right? And you, know, you mentioned, Dan, that Melee is a 20-year-old game. I just wonder if there is or there should be some kind of equivalent where a video game can become public property at that point once you know, a certain number of years have passed, the company has made their money, it's not in print, so to speak, anymore. Um, so that, that was my first thought with that. What do you guys think of that idea? That's a, oh man, that's a great point. I hadn't considered the public domain aspect because I'm looking up what will become public domain in 2020 under U.S. law. Works published anytime in 1924 will enter the public domain on January 1st, 2020. Wow, that's a, video games aren't even close to that old yet. (laughs) (laughs) That technology has developed so much faster, right? Like nobody's playing GameCube anymore. It's really hard to find GameCube, right? So what would be the like equivalent in video game years, <laughs> you know what I mean? To, to Gosh, that's a great, so I've heard there are people on 3DSs, for example, who have ways of getting you free versions of multiple games and hackers, would I guess would be the term, but because they are not selling these games, I don't think they're in trouble. 
that's mm. why I'm asking about if this tournament generates some kind of revenue for this. Uh, are they a company, organization, whatever they are, Big House, The Big House? Yeah, they're an organization that puts together gaming tournaments and stuff like that. Um, I was just looking on their website. I couldn't find anything if there's like a registration fee or something like that. But I would assume so, considering, um, you know, how big they are. Um, and I think the other thing with it, too, is kind of just the advertisement of the game itself. Every time you watch a game or see something streamed, it's an advertisement for the game, right? So what you're seeing is a game that's not what nintendo produced it's a game that was modded by fans and nintendo like when you see that on the screen nintendo sees that and says that's not what we produced um and I, it, it does always come down to money i think what about it. places like deviant art people what about commissions people draw art all the time they take commissions and like we were talking about during the break with with Etsy, for example, people right now, I mean, they make Nintendo-themed Christmas tree ornaments, for example, that are not officially licensed by Nintendo. So that's why I'm wondering if this tournament had some money coming in. I think it kind of, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just making an assumption, but I think it just comes down to how much money they're making off of it and how much popularity there is. Um, yeah. I mean, I, there was an adult star something recently. This was um, in the news a month ago. She went by the name of like Pokey Princess or something and had Pokemon tattoos all over her and just like always had like something Pokemon involved. And Nintendo sent her a cease and desist too. And I'm sure that wouldn't have happened until she became like very famous. And this is the same sense, right? Nintendo's reach will have gone very far if they start contacting Etsy shop owners. And <laughs> <laughs> I think it was... Your Kleenex box. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Force is rebranding for adult entertainment. I think it's also because of the adult entertainment aspect. Nintendo wants things sure. to be squeaky clean. Of course. With their image. Nintendo, I just found it on our... Ars Technica from October 13th. Nintendo has issued a cease and desist order against a popular social media influencer for using Pokemon branding and imagery in her handle and products. Huh. She feels she's been targeted by Nintendo for a very specific reason. It all comes down to me being an adult entertainer. Which I can absolutely see that. She has not suitable for work photos, videos that she posts daily. She... Yeah, I mean, even aside from this, it's like you see a lot of fan-made modded like Mario games or you'll see... Oh, yeah. um, like, I, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen um, Ocarina of Time on Unreal Engine. Um, right. You know, and those people they're okay until these fan-made games end up catching a lot of traction and Nintendo typically shuts it down, right? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I was just about to bring that up. I, you know, I, I am sympathetic to Nintendo protecting its brand um, to a degree. I, I think where I get frustrated as someone who's, you know, a passionate Zelda fan and also somebody who sees video games as art an art form when you have small time artists creating a ROM, like there was a pretty successful Legend of Zelda 
rom here recently that uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was basically like um, took place after Ocarina of Time, I think. And, it, you know, so many people I knew got to play it and loved it. It's not like it was being sold for money. I mean, it was purely a fan creation out of love. And I, I guess I, I just wish there was some middle ground where if it's not harming your brand, if it's creating excitement for people to go buy your product more, you know, where's that line between that just being art that we let people make and, you know, a business venture? And that that's what I struggle with a bit. Yeah. I, yeah. And, you know, I think, <laughs> I, I think in a kind of a long shot way too, I think Mario Maker was kind of their response to a lot of these fan-made games that were coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, All back to money. <laughs> exactly. So now Nintendo can let you make the Mario game, but they could also make the money off of it. Um, but one thing that was I thought was great, and we may have to fact-check this after the episode, but um, the game Sonic Mania um, by Sega, I believe that was a group of fan... You know, a lot of fan-made sonic game creators that sega had found and put together and put them on a team to actually create the new levels in sonic mania um so like that to me that's so cool uh to go and find talent out there and have them help you with it you're you're correct um the development team was composed of members known for their work in the sonic fan game and rom hacking community development began after lead developer christian quote-unquote Texman whitehead who was previously contracted by sega to develop enhanced mobile ports of genesis sonic games presented a playable prototype to the sonic team so that's that's taking it and running with it that's embracing yeah, <laughs> yeah and that, that was like one of the best sonic games that came out in years in my opinion <laughs> So that's what I mean. Like, I feel like to me, that's the way I wish Nintendo handled their business. And of course, they don't need my help, obviously. They're very <laughs> successful. You know, I, I just feel like if you have people that are so passionate about it and they're, they're engaged in this creative spirit to embrace your product and they're not damaging it anyway, which, you know, maybe Nintendo feels like it is. But I love that they went and asked those people to be a part of the team. I, I just Nintendo's business philosophy is so controlled about everything that they, that, that is never going to be there. Do you right. think it's a cultural thing since they're primarily they're primarily a Japanese company? I'm not too sure. And like on top of that with Nintendo, um, they make it very difficult to stream for people as well. And it's another situation where, you know, Nintendo has been known to kind of cut down on streamers that are streaming their entire games. Um so, you know, if you have PlayStation or Xbox and you're streaming a game and they go through cutscenes, like you can actually stream from your PlayStation. And when you stream cutscenes, it actually says stream stops recording and then it'll come back on when the gameplay resumes. Um, now, Nintendo has never made it easy to stream anything. Like Switch having the 30 second clips is the closest we've gotten to any sort of accessibility with sharing anything online. Um, and you can't even really play a whole level of Mario on that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it it just seems like there's always kind of this difficult branch with Nintendo and their censorship, even when it comes down to streamers. I guess they're worried because people could possibly be making 
money off of it, off Let's Plays on YouTube and streams on Twitch. But these people are making pennies on the dollar compared to what Nintendo is making for these video games. To me, it's like, hey, here's some free advertisement. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just, I don't know enough about the laws behind this. But other, like you were saying with Xbox and PlayStation, to have that streaming the streaming capabilities built into the system, they're encouraging that. They want people to stream their games. They want the hype. They want the excitement. So I don't, I don't know. I guess it's not the same as having your friends come over and watch you play the latest game in your living room because you're, I'm assuming, not charging them to come and, <laughs> to come and do that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're a popular Twitch streamer, you may have 800 views and you can't fit 800 people in your living room. <laughs> well, maybe in some people's houses. Maybe. <laughs> Not my house, but <laughs> I do I wonder if this is one of those generational things though as well that people who have grown up with Twitch uh by the time those folks are running the companies if they'll have a different perspective on it. Yeah, I, the I legal think aspects. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the people running Nintendo and various companies now like certainly did not grow up in this environment that's really become popular over the last four or five years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You would think, though, that if you're in a video game industry, you'd keep up with it, right? Yeah, I think keeping up with it is one thing, but you might be prone to view it with hostility as opposed to a sense of fondness of something that you engage with and not thinking of it as problematic for your business model. Right. Yeah, I mean, think about how many people start, this is such a trope from different movies, songs, stories, what, what have you, about this person who was such a free spirit when they were younger, and then they grow up and enter the corporate world, and they start looking at things with a different <laughs> perspective. Yeah, um, it, and I kind of wonder where we're going to go with roms and um mods and everything like that too because they are out there um yeah I, I mean even the mario 3d all-stars that was all made on an emulator right mm -hmm. um so i wonder if down the road there's going to be a way where you can actually just pay for a super nintendo emulator online and just have games emulated that way um so, it, yeah, I guess it's interesting. You mean in an official capacity through Nintendo? Yeah. I would love a listener who is either a lawyer or is well-versed in copyright law or who has who knows someone who is. I would love for you to tell us more. I, I don't know enough. Hmm. <laughs> um, do either of you guys have any more to touch on this before we get into the sports topic? Mm. Okay. Yeah, so just briefly with the sports topic, um, it, it, it's not so much censorship. I guess it's just kind of where it comes with, um, with players and the players' unions. And when college games were made, college basketball, NCAA football, uh, because they were students and they're not allowed to get paid or have their name thrown out there, um, they were just shown by their numbers in the college games. And I kind of found that interesting as well as, you know, if you're a baseball player, not part of the um, MLBPA or an NFL player, that's not part of the players union. I think we talked about specifically Bill Belichick, who's 
wants nothing to do with anything because he's Bill Belichick. <laughs> so if you play a Madden game, it's I I think his name is like Doug Ryder or something on the sideline, and it's a completely different person. He's probably the only coach. Um, so those are kind of things I've noticed with sports games, just kind of where the money falls, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I do think it goes back to what our society values uh, without, you know, straying too far here. But, you know, we are a primarily a capitalist based society. So we prioritize the making of money over artistic expression, right? And so, you know, in, you know, one could make the argument that coaches like Belichick or players on a team are larger than life and sort of become public domain in by being in the spotlight and that it's no longer about the actual people, but about what they represent. In which case it seems like, like, you know, whether it's big company artists or small time artists should be able to reproduce them in a way to tell an experience about being in this society, right. Or being in a certain community, but all of the laws are in fact written in a way that protect profits first rather than artistic expression. And so we, we do live in a world where if it's going to, you know, impact profits at all, then, then we're going to fall on the side of corporations. Celeste, anything? I didn't even know this was a thing, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> Wait, you're not a Madden player? Uh, um, I used to watch my dad play Tecmo Bowl in the oh. 1990s. <laughs> oh, I, those are so good. I have not. I, I've watched my boyfriend play some Madden games and, and stuff, and it's pretty cool to see current players. But, huh. I mean... It, it was kind of like the example you used before, David, with the uh, painting, if you want to throw that out there. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I think about, you know, would I would I have a right now, you know, if I went to, you know, I'm a Seahawks fan. I, I live in Seattle. And, you know, if I went to a Seahawks game and saw Russell Wilson uh, in the pocket about to throw a touchdown pass and I went home and I, I, I painted that image, right, with his jersey and I wrote Wilson on the back of the jersey you know, would I would I have a right to sell that? I, I I don't I don't know. Or would the NFL be able to come after me and say you're infringing on our our name rights, our our you know trademark, right? And it it just you know I think it's an interesting question. I'm not a lawyer, so I, I don't know. But I I know that whether it's you know Nintendo or the NFL, these corporations do protect their product very vigorously, right? And I, it just makes me sad a little bit that we lose some of the freedom to be creative, you know, bringing it back to censorship, which is, you know, ultimately our, our, what we talk about on this show. Right. And I, I just, I, I, I want to live in a world and I know I don't live in this world, but I want to live in a world where we're free to explore and express ourselves in creative ways without having to worry about whose rights they are. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I think they have gotten a little creative, even with like the Belichick thing. Like you'll see the other coach, whatever his name is on the sideline with the cutoff sleeves and the hoodie right. on. So. Right. <laughs> I started looking at what you were talking about, David, and there are tons of sources about this, but specifically I found this article on artsy.net from March, to, uh, March 15th, 2018. One does painting a portrait violate the subject's rights. Uh, and what a painter named Rick Rush depicted Tiger Woods, including his iconic red shirt in a 1990, 1998 artwork, artwork titled The Masters of Augusta. 
He didn't think he needed to pay the golfer to paint his portrait. Woods felt otherwise. To him, Rush's so-called artwork was glorified commercial sports memorabilia. He sued, alleging that the artist who put thousands of copies of his piece up for sale online commercialized Woods' image without permission or payment, violating what is known as the right of publicity. So the, I'm going to have to read this article, but it, it's talking about <laughs> um, when does the line get crossed? There are laws of publicity. So... See, I, I just, that bothers me because I, I, again, it, it feels like the laws are put in place to protect people who are already profiting off of a system, right? If you are a celebrity, you're already, you're already well off, you're in the public eye. At what point do you become sort of um, public domain, to use the term from books? Well, here's right? some good news for you. In the case of Tiger Woods, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the artist finding oh. that his work depicted a historic event of cultural value with right. winning the masters and did not go. propose a commercial transaction. Moreover, the artist had significantly transformed Wood's likeness for his work with painting constituting expression, which is entitled to the full protection of the first amendment. And you can still buy a print online. That's <laughs> interesting. So a, a historic and historic event of public significance essentially becomes public domain. I'm putting the link in our little chat just for if you're interested. Because now, okay, so for example, I, I have, now, you're making me want to go on a research spree tonight. <laughs> we got a rabbit hole to go down. When, when the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2010, I mean, I think the world shut down. <laughs> It was insane. And you know there were people painting Drew Brees holding his right. baby and all this stuff. So I don't know. Did, did people – and you you guys have both been to New Orleans. There are painters everywhere right. <laughs> painting celebrities. So I don't know. Oh, what about those caricature artworks with the big head? Oh. But I think that's <laughs> protected under parody law, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. But to even like kind of go back towards um, actually where we started today, uh, Mortal Kombat, like Johnny Cage is based off of Jean-Claude Van Damme, right? So right. can Jean-Claude Van Damme kind of turn around? I mean, in, in no way, shape or form in the game does it say it's Jean-Claude Van Damme, but it very <laughs> clearly is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so can he turn around and like have that censored? I, I don't know. I mean, we're all, everything is inspired by something else. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what about what, there was that show called Drawn Together, I believe, that if you were aware of Zelda, they had a homosexual version of Link with a different name. I actually had a friend who worked on that show. Really? Shut up. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did your friend do? He was an artist on it. Oh my god. Yeah, very cool. That is really cool. Oh my goodness. Um Yeah, they they have all these different parodies. I don't uh, my parodies are protected. All right. So anybody else you guys got any other topics we didn't discuss or is that a good segue to get it on out of here? I think it was an interesting talk. discussion today. We could talk another like 10 hours about <laughs> these things. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. So, David, where can we find you? 
You can find me at zeldadungeon.net, uh, where I write about Zelda uh, games, and then uh, at themighty.com, I am a contributor there as well. All right, Celeste? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at FairyCrypt. I'm also with Another Zelda Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at DCDM99. You can find our articles on www.bossrushgames.com. And be sure to check out all of our podcasts. We have the Boss Rush Podcast. What you're listening to is the Expansion Pass. Uh, we have Nintendo Power Block all on Apple Podcasts. We have them on Spotify. And you can check us out on our website as well. And if you guys have any topics when it comes to banning or censorship, please send us an email. Leave us a comment. Um, you can find our email at bossrushgamespro at gmail.com. Or just leave us a comment on Twitter. Come say hi. And that's about it. So have a good night, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.